Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I am Dave, and I am very excited and honored to have uh, a man who's been on Dopey twice before, the grandfather of our beloved friend Chris, T-Dub, runner of Adventures in the Wilderness. What's it called? Adventures in Recovery? Adventures in the Wilderness? Adventure Recovery. Adventure Recovery. Fucking how many years clean? 27 in March. 27 years clean. Fucking Tim Walsh. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Dave. Honored to be here. What a what a trip. Yeah. Being here. And, uh, yeah, last time we talked basically was after Chris's wake, really. It was. It was. We all got together after Chris's <laughs> well, wake. That was awesome, by the way. I love that, doing that, that show that night. Or that, um, that group just telling us stories. That was awesome. It was a real it was a real way to honor Chris. And um and it's just very hard, obviously. Every time I do the show, like I guess I'm getting used to it. Like I'm sure everybody who was in Chris's life is getting used to going on without him. Um but every time I do the show I get that pang of uh pain and sadness um when I reach for the gear and uh and don't have him. And I have him on my fridge. So every time I open the fridge I just kind of look at him and I'm like, man, because I also have like a, like I, I have a lot of sadness and I have a bit of anger that it happened. You know, I, yeah. I have, you know, cause he was, uh, he was my partner in this thing and I really relied on him, you know? Oh yeah. He's a fucking asshole for abandoning you. <laughs> I know. I know. Right? I mean, it's okay to say that. It's okay to feel that way. And by the way, you should put the picture on the freezer cause God knows that's the way to honor him where he get his Ben and Jerry's. That's true. That is a good point. I will move him over. He's also just too he's too close to the action on the fridge. He's got a he's in the tuxedo, you know, on the fridge and he's like it's like give me a break. It's like you know. But um I, I obviously uh I met Chris when you were in charge of uh of Mountainside and um and you were this very like when I met you you seemed to be and I didn't know you. I just sort of observed from afar. You seemed this very straight-laced Go get him, guy. Until <laughs> until Tim took us to the wilderness to get into a, a sweat lodge, and I was like, "What is this?" And um, it was an amazing experience. And, and were you always into that kind of like primitive recovery uh, adventure stuff, or did it sort of grow on you as you got time? Uh, no, like from the jump, I, I went back to the woods in a sense because as a kid I always ran around the woods um, you know that was my sanctuary so I had lost that of course um, towards the end of my using but uh, when I got sober I was sober at High Watch Farm in Kent, Connecticut which is considered the original 12 step retreat um, and uh, luckily for me back then it was real simple you know the rules were make your bed uh, do your chore, go to three meetings a day, um, don't talk to the girls, and don't get fucked up. And uh, so that was, you know, even though those five rules, it was still hard to keep <laughs> keep my head on straight. Yeah. But uh, I got, I actually got a job working in the kitchen in the first two weeks. Actually, third week, my third week there, um, because one of the cooks got drunk, and the guy ran the kitchen and was like, "I just need a day off. You're a cook." 
So uh, I got to stay there for a full year. And my daily routine was basically run through the woods down to Kent Falls, which is a beautiful waterfall in Connecticut, and um, sit on top of the, like, just run basically as a form of exercise slash just kind of, you know, try to shut my brain off. And right. Then, and then sit at the top of the falls and... I had no idea this is what I was doing, but basically learning to meditate, you know, just learning to sit still and just let my brain kind of shut down and pay attention to the natural world. Yeah. And, you know, looking back at what that did for me is it was a reset. It just kind of reminded me of that passion of being out in the woods. So one of the first jobs I got out of there was working for an outdoor education company. It was just a, kind of a fluke. I was working at a snowboard shop, um, trying to become a pro snowboarder. And, uh, these guys came in in the springtime with a bunch of brochures. I was like, Oh, that looks kind of cool. You know, they're like, what skills do you have? I'm like, "Uh, I can coil rope. (laughs) So, uh, like I can eat, I can eat ounces of mushrooms and go berserk by a fire. (laughs) I can totally lose my shit in the fucking woods. But, um, yeah, so I, I got lucky and they gave me an opportunity and uh, it was just a natural fit. I jumped right into it. Well, I remember the first time you came on the show, you told that crazy, epic, psychedelic story <laughs> of oblivion by the fire with the trip in the woods. And, and how much, like, because psychedelia, the psychedelia that exists in nature is always so obvious and overwhelming. Would you say there was, like, a big connection between the way you like to get high and then kind of actualizing that life of adventure and wilderness and stuff? Like, was there a crossover between the two? Oh, absolutely. Like, um, I tell people I, I haven't stopped using dope. I just, you know, I'm, I'm on the real shit now, you know. I'm on the straight 100% dopamine now. The uncut. The uncut, you know. I don't have people stepping all over my shit. I'm out there getting it straight. So it's... um it's out, you know, it's absolutely fact that the more time you spend in nature of nature, um, and connecting to just that fundamental source of life, um, you're, you're going to become more and more aware of how good you really got it. And that's kind of, to me, it's like, you know, you know, there's the whole kind of movement right now that addiction, the opposite of addiction is connection, right? Um, I think a big reason why Dopey's taken off is because of connection that you guys created, right? You created a platform of connection. And um, so being outdoors, we've been literally uh, mythologized out of our relationship with nature. You know, everything we were taught as kids is to be afraid of the dark, to be afraid of... The wild. The dirt, to, be, to be afraid of the wild, to be afraid of the creepy crawlies, right? And the things that go bump in the night and all that shit. And... Um, but when you get out there and you spend time out there and you get past that initial kind of irrational fear, uh, you begin to download a lot of very simple information, um, which is, the, you know, there's, you're surrounded by life, right? You're surrounded by the life cycle. And most everything that's out there is buzzing. You know, there's a lot of energy. Right. So... So the more time you spend in it and then the more time you learn how to play with it, you know, really is what I'm all about. The, the more you just kind of 
shit just doesn't phase you, you know? You don't, you don't get all hung up in a lot of the day-to-day shit that uh, our society likes to fucking make up, you know? So it's like a lesson. You learn how to like not like like you could take a city New York like a New York City neurotic Jew like me and throw me in the wild for like a few months, and I'll think like a third less. I'll, I'll worry about like what I said a little bit less because uh, the chi of the wilderness will uh, remind me of what's important. This sounds totally. good. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I could use absolutely it. guaranteed. But the the trick is right. Uh-huh. The longer you've been in the fucking concrete jungle, yeah. The longer you got to be in the woods. Right? Yeah, I've got like forty four years, man. I've got. I've got <laughs> so, I've, I was, you better start now, brother. I know. I was raised on the twenty first <laughs> floor. Um, but uh, but I am open to stuff. I, I find like there's a lot of action. Like I, I I the way I empty my head is I walk and I, I tend to walk around Manhattan just because um you know I just do and there there's so much life there. It's just obviously not the same kind of life. But we live in Suffolk County by the Great South Bay, and uh, and we there's some trails here. I've been I've been actually hiking and we went to some nature preserve recently. I've been you've been you'd be proud of me. I'm stretching my wings a little I actually, bit. I heard, I listened to an, an episode recently where you talked about that. You like just briefly mentioned it. I think it was with Mark Marone. Yeah, um, Marin. Yeah, yeah, Marin. yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's um, okay. He's never going to hear you say his name wrong. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned something about being like in the woods. And I, was, I did. I gave you a big, you know, Yahoo, go Dave. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's like, a, it's an amazing, like, I don't know. For me, like, I was a heroin addict. I am a heroin addict. You know, I was, everybody knows uh, that listens to the show. I was on methadone. I was on pills. I was a stoner. I was this. I was that. And, um, and I was, you know, in a lot of pain, obviously. And, like, when I got clean, it, it, it gave me freedom. And I didn't recognize the freedom for a long time. And, uh, and the freedom is just starting to, like, take hold in me. And, like, tonight, like, I bought my family, like, I buy my family dinner, like, many nights a week but every time i go to the the japanese restaurant to buy them dinner i think to myself what freedom i have and it's all because of uh being sober you know i love it it's just an amazing thing for me and um last week we had uh andy dick on okay dude i haven't heard that yet i gotta hear that it's it's pretty much a mess there's a lot of it's it's andy dick yeah (laughs) right it's that simple well, he's not, you know, he's not in recovery at the moment. And, um, and like, me and Chris had a rule about Dopey. And the rule, and, of course, Chris broke the rule. We had, like, two rules. One was don't, ex- don't upset my wife. And the other rule is you have to be, you have to, you know, not be using on the show. Um, and, uh, and we always decided that if somebody was famous, they could upset my wife or use on the show. That was kind of the deal. And... Uh, and Andy Dick was, you know, he said he wasn't drunk on the show, but he also said he was not in recovery and he drinks and he smokes weed and he sounded fucking wasted. And um, and I didn't know a way to phrase come back to recovery in any way besides maybe you should go to a meeting. You know, I said that to him a bunch of times, you know, and, and like I fucking like I did not like AA forever i was scared of aa i felt uncomfortable in aa now i i i like aa but i can see why people would have a problem with aa because it's scary and culty and you know people who are drug addicts and alcoholics are tend to be defiant and they don't want somebody telling them what to do but like 
AA saved my life. So like, and, and Andy Dick is in trouble. So like, that was where my head went. Like, if you're talking to somebody who's like out there, you talk to people who are out there way more than I do. How how do you try to capture them? Like, or or how guide them? I mean, I don't even know the right word. Well, it's, what's funny is the term, the the actual um, title, I guess, that we use in my company is adventure recovery guides, right? So they're AR guides. And um, we settled on that term rather than coach or mentor. Or um, counselor. Or counselor, right? We're definitely not therapists. Right. Um, and the, the reason being is a good guide knows the way, goes the way, shows the way, right? Uh-huh. <clears throat> but, won't take, but won't take away from the experience, the opportunities and lessons you get to learn on your own. And I think that's like a lost art, especially in, in the 12-step um, world. And, and basically the, the reason that is is because the fucking treatment world co-opted it. Right. Right. So I think a, a big reason why a lot of people are hard up about 12-step, why they don't like it, is because it was fucking crammed down their throats initially. Right. You know? And most likely in a treatment setting or by some type of authority figure in their life that they already fucking did, you know, didn't want to pay attention to anyway. So that you know that's really unfortunate, right? Because one of the fundamental principles is attraction rather than promotion, right? So I think that you know, for a guy like Andy, knowing a little bit about Andy, uh, you know, he's probably been to fucking thousands of meetings. Maybe maybe not. I think so. But he, I think but he so. probably has, right? Yeah, I think and, so. And when he sees other people get well and he hasn't, it's probably, uh, it's probably a hell of a sting. It's incredibly painful for anybody. And I, I've been in that situation before, you know, it took me forever to get any time. And when I first got time, I didn't even want it. I got time because I was like forced to get it and I wanted to be high. And I was, I was sitting in meetings like, like just wanting the time to go away, you know, and, and and I was like sitting on my hands the way they say, um, but like it's just weird like to preach it at all. Like I'm not a preacher; it's not like my my thing. But like I, I don't like I find that because it saved my life, I'd be an ass not to sing its praises to some way, you know. Right. right. Um, and that's the that's the kind of double edged sword of it, right? Yeah, I think it is. You know, and 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 what I one of the main things I tell people is, you know, you do anything but AA. <laughs> do anything but NA. Do anything right. but right. Because it's the last fucking stop, man. You know. Oh yeah, man. If I if it's, I could have fucking like if you could do it any other way, do it any other way. But if because eventually <laughs> trying everything else. That's where you're going to wind up. Don't go there first. <laughs> go there last, right? Yeah, well, I think that's great advice. And, like, we have this uh, this Dopey Nation Facebook group where these, like, there's 700 people on the Dopey Nation Facebook group, and God bless them. I love that they're so involved uh, with the show. Um, but, like, there's, like, it's obvious that there are people in the Dopey Nation Facebook group that are sober, and then there are people in the Dopey Nation Facebook group that aren't sober. And, like, the ones who are sober, I think they all go to meetings for the most part. And correct, they'll correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure. And the ones who don't, who aren't, don't. 
and I, I feel like it is the last house on the on the street or whatever, the last stop, uh, because um, because you need it. You know, I needed to make that stop, or I'd be fucking probably dead, or I certainly wouldn't be in my attic recording dopey with you. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. And, and again, and for, yeah, for me it was you know I was twenty two years old, and it was the first stop. And right. what, what was but, the what was the thing? Was, what was there the were thing? So many there were so many pieces, very small pieces of that puzzle that fit perfectly in that time frame, that made it the perfect stop. Um, I was already at twenty two years old, so fucking tired. You know, I was just so just self disgusted. I was so homicidal and suicidal. Um, it was crystal clear my path was prison and death. Those were those were the options. I wasn't going to make it on the street much longer. And by the way, I just have to quickly aside, one of the guys I'm working with right now, I turned him on to Dopey last week, and I just checked in with him before we got on the phone, and you know, he just went back to school, and I'm like, how's it going? He's like, I'm, it's brutal. I'm so ready to graduate, but I've been listening to Dopey a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So it's uh, just like no shit, I'm on. So anyway, that's cool. I love that. Big shout out to Tommy, bro. Keep keep going, brother. Right on, Tommy. Stay strong, Tommy. Um, Definitely. He's, he listened to at least ten episodes on the plane yesterday. That's so funny. I, I used to make fun awesome. of people that list that listen to Dopey, like just because it's like, how could you be trapped with me and Chris? For that long, and, and and but I mean, like we had a lot of laughs, you know. It's oh, like you guys are you guys were fucking gold, man. And and Dave, by the way, um, you've done an amazing job keeping this going, and just huge kudos, bro. Huge, just I have so much love and respect for the fact that um, you had every right and opportunity to walk away from this. And I'm not saying by any means that this wasn't as important to you as it. You know, as it was to Chris. In fact, I think it's more important to you than it was to Chris, quite frankly. But um, you just—I'm really, really glad you've kept it going, and you've done a really great job keeping it going. Well, thank you. And Toby Nation, I got a shout out to the whole nation too. It wouldn't—that would not be the case if it wasn't for the nation, right? Totally. It's a—it's the perfect example of why we love AA, right? So the, for, for all you guys out there who are struggling with whether or not you hate, you know, if you have that love-hate relationship or just a straight-hate relationship, but you're fucking alone by yourself in a fucking closet, you know, smoking crack or shooting dope or fucking just looking at your fucking belly button and feeling sorry for yourself, if that's where you're at, we get it. And that's why we go to meetings, because we know that every fucking person in those rooms knows that feeling. And I, I've been, you know, I've done a lot of traveling and I've been in meetings where they don't even speak English and felt completely at peace. Like, oh God, thank God I'm home. I'm okay. I'm safe. So like, I think the, the just sheer fact that the Dopey Nation continues to, you know, grow and continues to be so affected by what you guys have done, um, speaks volumes to the fact that that's that's what why we keep going back right you know the steps work by the way if, you, if you're curious yes. anybody out there they actually work <laughs> they're it's, highly effective aa is way more effective with the steps i would say way yeah yeah, yeah. in fact 
doesn't really exist in my opinion. Exactly. Um, whatever that is that you're doing without the steps, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what you call that. It's suffering. Um, it's called suffering. Tim. It's called suffering. Yeah. But the steps work, you know, um, and they work really well if you practice them in a hoop rather than in a um, linear, you know, straight line. What does what that I mean? mean? That is, what does that mean? Keep going. Keep going. Around and around and around. Don't stop. Right. So have you heard of the um, the Red Road of Wellbrighty? Um, the Red Road of the Native American community that's uh, a re- you know, recovery oriented. No, tell me about it, please. Well, the very simple is that they're, they write the steps in the hoop, in the medicine wheel or the sacred hoop, so that when you get to, at the end to 12, right, having had the spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, you're back to one. Right. We admitted we were powerless over opera, right? And what I love about that is it's also what that's what this is, right? It's oh, I had I had a change, I had a psychic change, I had a change in the way I think and the way I feel about myself and about the rest of the world, for the most part, right? Did, I can still get pretty uppity about shit. Did it hit you as soon as you got there? Did you get that feeling, or, or did it? Did it I got did it, it. I I got it when I did the second part, which is you know uh, carry the message and practice these principles. Like, so, you know, the spiritual awakening was the result of the steps. And then I kept like, you know, I, I actually achieved it, like really fully embodied it when I started helping the next guy and taking them through the steps specifically. Like that's the other piece I tell people. So, Oh, so you've worked the steps. Yeah. Okay. And you went through the steps with a sponsor. Yeah. And you relapsed. Yeah. Well, how many people were you sponsoring when you relapsed? Oh, I wasn't sponsoring anybody. Well, then you're not working the steps. I'm not. And, spon- and I'm, not I'm not sponsoring anybody. I'm not. Spon- get out there and fucking sponsor. Somebody. I got to sponsor somebody, man. I'm in big trouble all of a sudden. No, you're not. It's <laughs> just. It's just like that's the that's the hoop, right? Right. The sacred hoop. Yeah. Is and it a sacred hoop or is it just a it's, hoop? Absolutely, it's a sacred hoop. Do you ever want to poke holes through through the spirit? Like, because I love oh, to poke. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. The like the the whole concept of taking any of this fucking seriously is ridiculous. It's daunting like, too. It's, it's ridiculous, but us. it's daunting. It's hard to do it for me. But 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 look at us, right? You know, we're such a you know land of misfit toys that no one should ever be taking themselves so fucking seriously as to believe any of this shit. We should just get out there and practice it. Like what I love about being a drug addict and having these deep, you know, fucking. I'll go to war over my opinions, um, you know, and my, my fucking values over shit. But, you know, I'll fucking, I'll buy some of the deadliest drugs ever made off of people I've never met in the fucking sketchiest places on the planet uh, and ingest them freely and right. willingly. And then, and then turn around and sell them to fucking kids. <laughs> Without any sense of moral obligation or ethical obligation to anything at any moment. Or trust. Right. I mean, you, you'll trust that what you get right. in that block is going to make you feel the way you want to feel before you trust a million Absolutely. way more likely scenarios. Absolutely unequivocally. The shadier and darker and dirtier the fucking hole, the more fucking... Confident I am that this is going to go great. Yeah, this is this should this is exactly this is exactly what it's supposed to be. This is going to go really well. Yeah, and you know, so I just crack up when we, 
you know, when people choose to engage in those arguments. And uh, I'm, I'm real grateful for the sponsorship I had early on, which was I had a sponsor who would literally walk away from me when I had anything to say other than I've completed my homework. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was very cut and dry. My job is to take you through the steps. I can't help you with anything else. You know, if you need a lawyer, get a lawyer. If you need a fucking marriage counselor, get a marriage counselor. If you need a therapist, get a therapist. If you need a doctor, get a doctor. You know, all my job is to take you through the 12 steps. Now, yeah, you, you've been around uh, treatment. How long have you been working around treatment? And, and, and Since my third week, right? I got a job in a fucking rehab working in the kitchen my third week. So, so 27 years you've been so around treatment. Technically, I've been around treatment. 26 years. Time. Yeah, 26 yeah. years and change. Now, It'll be a full, yeah, full 27 years in March. So right. you've, seen, you've seen so many successes and failures, you know? Is there any, like, in my experience, you know, I've been around treatment because I've been through treatment, you know, however many times I've been through it. I've been around uh, addicts because I am one, you know. Uh, I've seen, you know, success and failure, and and I've never been able to predict either, ever. Um, Do you find it easier to predict how, what's going to happen with somebody? Like, is, like, are there some, like, isn't that the hardest thing about this thing? Like, as somebody, as a professional in it? I, well, that's that's the whole thing. Like the concept of the, being a professional in this thing, too, I think is bullshit. Um, well, they you know, pay you. You know that I makes get, you yeah, a professional. But, but I get, I get. But that's part of why I do what I do, right? Like I created the business I created because I saw a huge opportunity um, and you know a huge need where too many people sitting around rotting in church basements. Too many young people, especially, right? Too many people. Uh, young people coming into recovery and spending their first five years doing just shitty jobs that they hate and, you know, going to go, going back to school just because that's what you're supposed to do and fucking winding up with, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in debt and realizing they don't fucking want the degree they have anyway. And and my, my whole thing is like, wait, wait, wait. Part of the reason why you're a fucking drug addict is because you're a radical, you know? Part of the reason you're a drug addict is because you're a fucking free-spirited knucklehead who does not follow the rules what makes you fucking think that you have to follow all the rules to stay sober you know there's there's the spiritual rules i believe in right you know trust help right trust clean house help others right the whole higher power thing i i don't get into it anymore with anybody choose whatever you want act accordingly that's it that's what that whole thing is you figure that out on your own but that, that's what that trust is about. You gotta trust in some kind of process more than anything, right? The process that creates power in your life. Well you have you to find you have to find it before you can trust it though. That's that's one of the tricky parts but right no, there. You have to you have to right, but you have to trust that it that it can happen. Looking, that yeah, that's worth looking for, is my point, right? Yeah. So you you gotta find a process that gets you there, right? That introduces you to it, so to speak. And then you got to, you know, you got to clean your house. You got to keep clean up your shit, you know, and, and, and trust (laughs) back to trust that you're never going to do it perfectly. I've yet to meet anybody even remotely close to like truly fucking humble and honest and fucking, you know, 
all the shit that I think the expectations selfless and giving right. and kind and yeah. perfect yeah. and yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Especially us. I mean, that's the, right. the biggest the biggest thing about it. It's like that is the thing that I always would talk to with Chris about it. It's like we were the worst, and now we're supposed to be these fucking Gandhi like figures, and it's so unnatural, you know. Um, but we're not. But it, nowhere it says over and over again. It says the opposite. Literature. It says exactly the opposite. Yeah, we are not saying. Right? Yeah, totally. We are not saying practice. You know, uh, progress rather than perfection. Right. You know. Um, you know, all kinds of great shit. But and then the the help others, right? So you trust, clean house, help others. That's the fundamental core of every spiritual fucking practice. By the way, every fucking religion has those three fun, fundamental tenets. So it's not that this is a religious thing. It's just like that's that's like the school of life, right? Trust that there is purpose in your life. Clean, keep your shit clean so that you're not looking over your fucking shoulder, wasting energy. And then go fucking help people, you know. Give back. Give give a little bit of yourself to your community. You and still do you ever find yourself in positions where you're not like where something is not right, like you're not trusting enough, or you're not the house is not properly cleaned. Like you find totally. your, okay, totally, totally. I I tell people all the time if you're gonna look to me to be some type of fucking you know put me on any kind of pedestal. I really hope I'm awake when I fall off that fucker and land on top of you. Right, because it's not like, gonna it's hope, not gonna work I out. I hope like I'm that. not completely knotted out and miss <laughs> that opportunity to see the look on your fucking face when I fucking flatten your ass. You know, it's it's ridiculous to assume that any of us are going to achieve anything even close, you know, to the the ideal. And by the way, whatever your ideal of me <laughs> is. You know, good luck with that. I, I don't even—I don't, don't even have an ideal for myself. So whatever you have, it whatever you have for me, good luck with that. Well, I'll tell you this. You know, well, that's not true. I do have—I do have an ideal for myself. I want to be a really good dad to my kids. Right. Period. Everybody else, you know, I love you, but fuck off. Well, that's actually like an attainable thing. I find—I find as a father, like that's something that I can always. Like, I, I mean, I'm not a perfect father by any means, and like, mm-hmm. and sometimes I can be a dick. Um, but that's something that it's like pretty attainable, you know, that, that's like a goal that I, I keep very present, but, um, I want to say though, this is probably the most recovery we've ever put into dopey right here. <laughs> this is it. So, that's not true. You guys, have, you and Chris had some awesome conversations. Like, you know, I, I, you know how we all have the guilt, right? Yeah. What could we? What could we have said to Chris? You know, yeah. we should have seen it. We should have said something. All yeah. that kind of shit. And you know, I wasn't listening for a while before before he died. Um, but there were a couple that I listened to where I heard his fucking brain talking. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, not his heart, you know. Right. And I, I, wa- I wanted to reach through the fucking dashboard and rip his fucking throat out well that was the end of chris on dopey the end of chris on dopey yeah. was him turning to school and, and turning away from the program him turning to this fucking psycho babble instead of into his heart you know like that was very much and knowing and this is where chris was conflicted he knew he was going down that fucking rabbit hole and he couldn't stop yeah right so he, he was he was intellectually high and then he got hurt, and then he was fucking physically high, like hurt high, right? Pain high. You get what I'm saying? 
Right? Yeah, yeah. Describe you what know? the pain high is, though. I don't. I'm not sure. I do get that. Well, pain's sick. It's the opposite, right? He was so he was he, he was needed something. He was intellectually sick, then he was pain sick, right? Physical pain sick, and then he was emotionally sick, right? So what I mean by high is, um, you know, we we get high on our own shit, right? Right, right. We get totally. high on our own self delusion. His misery. He he got. He yes, got, yeah, I understand exactly, what you're saying. Exactly. He he became right. submerged in that shit, and and right. it, and it was obvious. But like he was for, caught out, right? That's a better term, probably. He was caught out on all of it, right? Yeah. He allowed himself to get caught out in these in these different areas, all all simultaneously, right? And that's the that's how it goes, right? People who have and, and you know someone I'm sure when I said you know practice in the hoop, you know if you're not sponsoring people, you're not in the hoop, right? Well, Chris was sponsoring people. He got high. Like I know there was somebody out there at Dopey. I heard them fucking. I heard their brain snap. You know, Chris was fucking sponsoring dudes, and. But Chris was like that's that's kind of like where the whole big book thing gets dangerous, right? I, I'm known as one of these guys who's a big book thumper. I do big book studies and all that shit. And I first thing I admit when I do a study is I'm opening this book today for the first time with this particular community, this particular group of people, and I'm looking at these first two blank fucking pages to remind me. I don't know shit. Everything I think I know is bullshit because it's through the fucking lens of Tim Walsh. Right. And Tim Walsh suffers from the most debilitating mental illness on the planet, which is SFOS. SFOS. Yes, I am sincerely full of shit. I believe my own bullshit. Right? I'm with you, man. I was going to tell you, but I'm glad you added yourself on this. <laughs> right. You know, so that's that's why we fucking hang out with each other, right? That's why we all, you know, we find that community, we get tight with that community, and we tell that community, you have full permission to call me out any day of the week. Right. And if, you know, I have a line where if you're, if you're concerned at all for my sobriety, call everybody. Call everybody. Well, that was Call. when you could really see it on Chris because I called everybody and he got pissed. And um, mm-hmm. and I I that's just how, I just how you know you're right. <laughs> I know, but I I didn't have enough experience and like and he's cagey and like we were both so oh, busy. He's, he's, I, a, he's a grand wizard, bro. Yeah, he's the fucking grand wizard. That's why you know that whole story about him coming into my office. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It was so brilliant listening to that guy spin. Um, I've yet to meet anyone as capable of spinning his own bullshit. Well, that was his drug of choice, you know, and totally. Yeah. And I feel like in the end he got, I mean, sure. He had every fucking drug under the sun in the end, but the thing that got him high was that they thought he was this, uh, you know, PhD student. You know what I mean? They thought he was getting away with it. And I know that's what was going right into his head. Not not the drugs. That shit was the number one. Yeah. You know? Now now I want to ask you something just sort of practical, because we're we're in this fucking holiday time and I'm hearing about a lot of like uh dopey people 
who are uh, who are you know relapsing and they don't necessarily want to be and everybody's like the holidays, the holidays, the holidays. Like, do you find in your experience that the holidays are like? I mean, it's obvious, I guess, that the holidays are some relapsing time. For me, it never was like that. I, I just would use. I, I was never affected by the time of the season because I just wanted to get high. But like, right. are you finding? Like what? What is it? Just the the traditional loneliness factor? Is it the family factor? Like, what is your experience around holidays and relapsing and such? Um, what I I think what I've seen is the holidays just create all kinds of stress. You know, they pull they pull on all the insecurities that you know a person who's struggling with sobriety is trying to weave together. You know, like they're all the tatters they're trying to put back together. So family relationships, for sure. Expectations around all that shit, for sure. Um, you know, the financial aspect of it all, right? People feeling compelled that they have to go get gifts for everyone, that they have to show up with something. Um, the the expectations on the part of the, the person who's, you know, created all kinds of fucking chaos in their family history, that they want everybody to forgive them because they're doing better, you know. Right, it's all that kind of pressure. Right, people are still pissed, you know. So I think there's so many layers around the holidays and family systems. Um, I'm a big, 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 big fan of family work. Um, You know, if anybody out there in Dobie Nation is looking like right now to get into treatment, I strongly encourage you find a treatment program that has a family component. Unfortunately, way too many of them don't um but if you can get lucky and get one that does you know take advantage of it and encourage your um, family to participate because yeah, like my huge. buddy my buddy todd he went to some places and like his family was tired of his bullshit and he didn't want to encourage them to participate and the family never healed at all you know what i mean yeah, like exactly. participation is like half the the battle and, and like you don't realize it you know and you don't think of it but i guess just saying it here if anybody's on the fence out there and they're looking for help you know actually look for the help look for the help with your people you know to bring them yeah. in even though it's scary you know you're going you're, you're going the route you might as well go the full route absolutely absolutely and you know and then there's also the complete flip side of the coin you know, get the fuck away from your family as quick as you can. <laughs> right, because they're fucking crazy motherfuckers. Because <laughs> they're, you know, they're lighting you on fire. Right. So there, there's definitely two extremes here. But um, I think, um, you know, it's all about expectations, man. Like, the expectations we put on ourselves, trying to get sober, you know, trying to get clean and trying to fucking, you know, like we were talking about earlier, live up to all these, like, ideals all of a sudden. Um the the fucking you know walking in in walking in this world without drugs after being fucking drug addled for decades um is daunting all, this, all the sensitivity just just you know all around you um yeah like so I think like keep the expectations real simple um always have an out I think is a huge thing you know. Uh, meeting again back to meetings right uh, you ever been to an alcathon yeah yeah right I had nowhere there's else nothing, to go and I would just there's go there's nothing better but there's nothing better in the world than showing up at 3 o'clock in the fucking morning on Christmas Eve New Year's Eve Thanksgiving you know and 
seeing who's in the room. Because you're tied like, in. You're tied in with these people. You're yeah, just in there, your it's people. It's just like, yeah, it's like going to the fucking bar or going to the fucking shooting gallery, like going to the crack house. It's the same fucking crew, right? It's the same people we sought out when we were going to get our drugs. At the same time, <laughs> you know, middle of the fucking night. But there's, there's like, there's real magic there, you know? The magic we were looking for in fucking getting high was, was the, you know, the false gods, right? Yeah. So, so I think anybody who's never done that should check it out. You know, do the social experiment, you know? Um, get out there and check out one of these things. Because what do you have better to do? Sit at home miserable right. saying how everything sucks? Off, right. You know, you're pissed off at your whole family. Like if you find yourself, you know, flipping the fucking turkey table <laughs> during you know Christmas dinner, you know, walk out the door and go to go to one of these alcathons, you know, or uh, I don't know what they call them in fucking NA, but um, just get you know get with your tribe, you know, get with the community who understands all that shit. Well, I and and like and then from there, I think you know. It's it's all comes back around to we're here, right? You know, hold us accountable. Hold me and Dave accountable to what we're talking about. With you know, we're you know, I'm not currently sponsoring anybody through the steps. Um, so hold us accountable. Look guys like us in the eye and say, "Yo, you know, you're here. You got this thing. Help me." Yeah, I mean, I think you guys should start a. Writing for Tim. I mean, Tim sounds like he'd be an amazing somebody to guide a guide through the steps. I mean, he just put it out there. You guys know where to write me. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be an amazing experience for me. Um, now, I, before I want to, I, I want to jump out in a second. But I really, I, I don't think we really explained what you do for a living. Because I'll, I'll check out Tim on Instagram, and he's like in a raging river, jumping off of a rock, trying to land on a surfboard and busting his ass. But it's beautiful. So tell us what exactly you do, like real quick, because this will be very enti- This is attraction here, right? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll walk you through today. Uh, this morning, out in the woods at seven o'clock in the morning, with my own kids and a group of kids at their school, where for an hour before school opens, we run around in the woods, just being kids. And um, the concept there is, especially for the kids who have any attention issues, it uh, it sets their day up perfectly because they get all that fucking crazy crazy energy out first thing, and the woods calms them down. You know it. it it's the ultimate fucking knucklehead whisperer. So that's my morning. And then, uh, you know, little running around stuff. And then uh, this afternoon I was in the river whitewater kayaking with uh, one of my guides, one of the guys who works with me. Uh, it was kind of like a combination, um, you know, check-in for him uh, on stuff he's doing and people he's working with. Uh, it was a combination of holding each other accountable to a skill that, you know, we want to continue to get better at um, taking advantage of the high water that's out there right now. And by the way, we live in Connecticut. And it's fucking freezing. Right. There's no better feeling in the world than getting in a whitewater kayak and blasting down these rivers with icicles dripping off our beards. You know. So like, um, so like, so like junkies who are how, how like when when you so deal with guy, let me let me give you this guy let me give you this guy's quick experience. So this guy started working with me two years ago. And he was probably 30 pounds heavier than he is now, a couple years sober, working a shitty rehab job. And 
now this guy in two years, like little over a year and a half, he is kayaking at, at a level that many people don't get to, quite frankly, let alone um, are as skillful as he is because he's put so much. He's put, you know, it, you, you've seen this, Dave, numerous times. People who get sober and all of a sudden they fucking turn on fire, right? Yeah. They just become this, like, amazing human being in this area of their life that you'd never imagine. Well, I feel so, like you're talking about me with Dopey. I mean, it's total. Exactly. It's a firestorm exactly. over here. It's a it firestorm fire of podcasting. Storm. It is. It's so true. I mean, Dave, how many people do you have? Um, do you know what your listenership is? I'm curious. We're like, we get like 18,000 downloads a week. That's insane. We're going to hit a million downloads, I would say, before March. We'll hit that's a million downloads, which I'm very proud of. That's incredible. That's fucking incredible. I just yeah, wish you are. I wish you are I'm a firestorm of podcasting greatness. I, it's true. I can't yeah. I can't contain myself. It's the truth. Um I just I, I so, totally wish so that, Chris could have so seen it though. Yeah, but but he is seeing it. I believe that emphatically, by the way. As hokey as that may be. He I, believed that too, so maybe he I is. I believe consciousness continues. So you know, Chris, I love you. Fucking asshole. Proud of you, proud of Dave. <laughs> right on. Right. So the the whole concept of what we do is we work with groups. That, so we work with treatment centers, halfway houses, sober houses. Uh, we work with schools. Um, we do like the kind of prevention and awareness type of stuff. Um, but the main the main concept here is that whether you're out in a group setting or you're out one on one with a guide, the whole concept is we take you through this journey of being outdoors. We teach you a skill. Right, so kayaking, climbing, uh, paddleboarding, river surfing, ocean surfing, snowboarding, skiing, survival skills, whatever, whatever you want to learn. Right, it's all very driven by the individual, by the client, by the you know, the person who comes to us for these services. And uh, and then our goal is to be our, our tagline is in that area is you know we want to be in your pocket for life as a resource right so no matter what we're not changing our phone numbers once you're hooked up with one of our guides you can always rely on us right so this guy like i, I said this guy i'm working with texted him tonight hey how's it going being back at school boom he's right on it you know so when we're not out there in the field together out in the woods out in the rivers mountains wherever it is we're keeping in touch maybe going to meetings a lot of folks come to us, don't go to meetings. Uh, it's one of those things like, you know, we don't, it doesn't resonate with them. All right, we're cool. That's the church you know? of the great outdoors is what it is. Exactly, right. G-O-D, right? Great outdoors. Um, and we we really believe that if you lock into one of these skills and they really it really resonates with you, it's going to light fire under your ass and you're going to want more. You know, we, we, we bank on the dopey gene, you know, of, of needing more of what feels good. Right. So we just, and then we just keep turning it on, you know? Are most um, people like straight out of rehab that come to you or are they, nobody comes to you fucking detoxing and you throw them in the icy yeah. river. <laughs> well. Although that could be a whole thing. <laughs> like, well, uh, actually, um, <laughs> there have been a couple. Uh, <clears throat> what was the worst story with that? Was there any funny fucking story? Where some dude is just strung out, and you're like, "Surf the river," and he's like, I... uh, "No, we like we're not we're not cruel." No, of course, we're not cruel about it. But um, I I did have one kid 
uh, I was working with for a while. We were doing a lot of mountain biking, actually. Um, and we actually went up to Vermont. The plan was to be up there for a full week, actually, and uh, do some mountain biking, some kayaking. And the first fucking night, it's at his parents. His parents had like a ski house there. And his mom warned me, you know, there's probably going to be booze in the house. You might want to lock it up. And I completely forgot about it. So middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, this dude comes walking down the stairs. And he's like, Tim. I'm like, yo, what's up, bro? Dude, I'm fucked up. <laughs> right. And I'm like, what's up, bro? I just, I'm all fucked up. I'm drunk, bro. I'm like, yeah, show me the stash. I forgot about that. And sure as shit, there's like this box of, you know, fucking just really crazy, expensive booze. I don't even know what it was, but. And he was just tearing into it. So I told him, I was like, you know, there's two ways we can do this. I can leave it here and you can fucking keep going. Uh, or I can take it out of there and just put it in my room. And if you want more, you're going to have to, you know, come through me. But it's your choice. And he's like, yeah, man, get it out of here. I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend this whole week like this. It's like, all right, cool. And that was that. So that was that, right? So like that. And then we had a fucking awesome week. It was really cool, actually. Um, we had some epic rides we had a great couple days in the river so you know and, and what's crazy so with us there's two ways people get to us usually the younger guys come to us and gals come through some type of intervention right so they're they're in some type of therapeutic uh intervention like the therapist or something or they're in school and they're getting in trouble so it's like we call it prehab right so this is, these are the guys and gals who are not quite ready for rehab in my opinion right um and my, i'd really like to keep people out of rehab who don't belong in rehab right quite frankly because um, rehab gives a lot of good kids bad ideas yeah right you know like it's it's like prison's gladiator academy right yeah rehab yeah. is knucklehead academy yeah. so the um the concept there is you know we don't we don't have an expectation that they are um they choose their own path of recovery they choose their own concept of recovery uh, if they don't even identify with recovery, what we what we say is, well, at least you can recover your own spirit of adventure because it sounds like the shit you're doing isn't very fun, right? So we, we always boil it down to how much fun are you having? Not a lot. Sucks getting in trouble. All right, well, let's go have fun. But our, our one core uh, rule is, and this is just an outdoors you know, education standard, is you don't go out high, right? So you don't go in the field high. Um. Because so, it's dangerous. It's not practical it, to do that. Yeah. It's just, yeah, right. You're already engaging in risky experiences or at right. least highly highly perceived risky experiences that can change on a time. So you want to be, you know, you want to have your shit together. So what happens is a lot of the younger crew we work with, it takes years, literally, of them, you know, fucking around, getting in a little trouble, straightening up a little bit, fucking around, getting in trouble, like, you know, it's the typical path, but what we try to do is stretch out, help them stretch out those lengths of time in between screw ups, right? And then no matter what, when they screw up, we're always right there, you know? And we're not there with the shame and the, you know, you fucking asshole, I can't believe you did this again. We're there with the like, hey man, how's it going? Right. <laughs> you know? You want to you get back on the river? Right. <laughs> we, had, we had fun together, didn't we? You know, it was a yeah, good time. Exactly. It was a good experience. You... That's that's a that's a and that's probably an incredibly uh, 
you know, rewarding experience for you. It keeps you young. It keeps you out of bureaucratic bullshit. It like it. it, it it's like the perfect thing for you. Like it's the opposite totally. of all the other I'm things that fucking, you, yeah, right. Running a fucking insane asylum full of drug addicts. Yeah, and, and trying to make it as close to that experience without being able to make it that experience. So you were like, "Fuck it, yeah. I'm going to cut out the middleman and just take people where I want to go." Exactly. Which is and then beautiful. I want to. And my big, my big mission is to train as many people as I can to become, you know, dirtbag outdoor educators, yeah, dirtbag guides. Yeah, our, <laughs> our, you know, our our actual, our real, like the the tagline we're most proud of is we'll we'll take you from scumbag to dirtbag in ninety days. Oh, that doesn't that doesn't <laughs> nice. I like that. Yeah, um, but you got to commit. You got to commit the full ninety. So where do they sleep? Uh, lot most of the stuff we do is outside. You know, so camp out. Ninety um, days camping out. Well, I we we don't we've yet to have anybody take us up on the full ninety day challenge. Okay, but, okay. Um, What's the usual stay? It's well, again, it's not a treatment program, right? So it most of the individual clients we get hook up with a guide on a minimum once a week, right? So they're they're in their life already, whatever that life looks like, right? And we come into that life for. You know, like I got tomorrow, I got a guy going out in the afternoon. We're actually going to be on the river again. And then Thursday, I'm going um, snowboarding with a guy all day. So that's the kind of individual work. And then the groups are, they're, they're the kind of pre-existing, you know, um, programs. So treatment center, uh, halfway house, whatever it might be. We work with a lot of those programs. Right, they plug in with you where it's where it's it's the day. It's like instead of right. equine therapy, we're going to go fuck around with these dirt bags in the woods. Exactly, which is and awesome. What, and what we hope when they're with us, and we you know, it's not a hard sell. Is once once they get back, they're like, oh fuck, that was cool. It's better than sitting around a group all day. It's better than you know watching shitty movies all day. It's better than you know, you know, listening to this fucking guy tell a story again. So, um. That that also we hope sparks the interest that when they get out of treatment that they know that this is a possibility for them. And then we also do like one offs, I call them. So uh, right now we, you know, those of us who are crazy enough to go in the river go. But um, when it's warmer, we'll do like a flash kind of you know email blast, uh, throw it up on Facebook, Instagram, and say you know we've got six spots in a raft. First six people to respond get to go for free. Nice. So we want to turn it on to the people in early recovery that, you know, if you don't have the money, just come. You know, so just throw, come out, throw out the, uh, the address to the Dopey Nation because I'm sure there's a few heads in Connecticut that would love to jump on the raft. So the Instagram is hashtag, no, not hashtag. How's it work? A, at? Yeah, at. A, A-R Adventure Recovery. And what's cool about that story is the adventure recovery is taken by some gal in uh, like Europe who's in eating disorder recovery. So it's kind of cool. Um, but anyway, ours is AR adventure recovery. And then we're on Facebook as adventure recovery. Right. So just straight up adventure recovery. And, um, you can hit me up directly at Tim W at adventure recovery. And then we're adventure recovery.com. Yeah. And if anybody couldn't keep up with that, just write me and I'll plug you right in. I'll hook you up with Tim. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's awesome. And, yeah, and you know, in general, our goal is to get people outside doing fun shit. So, you know, people want to get involved. Hit us up. We'd love to have you. 
Well, you're a good egg, and, Tim. And by the way, Dave, that yeah. goes to you especially. Yeah. Dude, I, I gotta get out there. Concrete jungle. Dude, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta river surf, man. If, if if the Dopey Nation wants to see me die, you'll you'll see me river surfing in, in Connecticut. I'll be the one person where the helmet pops off and my head smashes on the rocks. It'll it'll be me. And then and then and then I'll, you'll take me home and you'll say to say to Linda, you'll be like, I don't know what happened. I fi- I figured he'd be okay. And I told him everything yeah. what to do. Yeah. He didn't listen. Yeah. No, I, 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 one day. I will come up and I will fucking become a dirtbag with you guys because I need to do that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, get back in the sweat lodge too, bro. No, I, I want to do it. I, I told, I'm just like fucking between this and the restaurant and work and family and blah, blah, blah. But I will find time. I will find, I swear, I don't just say that. I, I've been looking for a reason. <laughs> no, because I never even went back to Mountainside. And like, I have reason to go back. You know what I mean? Like, I would like to go back. I would like to, to go to that uh, whatever alumni meeting. I would like to show up in Great Barrington. Like, like we've put down a bit of roots, and I would like to honor them, even though I never honor my roots. I would like to. I think that sounds good. I like, I like all your stuff, man. I, I think it's awesome. And, um, and I appreciate that, I'm, I'm happy to be in your, in your stratosphere, in your, in your orbit. I, I love to, to see it. And I love that there's an invitation. It makes me happy. And bring the family, by the way. My kids are great with little ones, and we have plenty of room, so come. I mean, it's a very, very, very honest invitation. Well, when it gets warmer, I will take you up on it. And for all you dopey fiends out there who are thinking, like, oh, shit, I'm going to go shack up in Tim's fucking backyard. I know you guys, you know, think twice because my wife does not use a gun. (laughs) There you go. But in all seriousness, we... uh, yeah, we believe that if you can get out there safely, um, the, one of the fundamental concepts of working in the wilderness is you learn the skills to participate in your own rescue someday. And that, what better metaphor for recovery, right? Dude, do you ever watch Naked and Afraid? Oh yeah, all the time. I, I got my daughter and 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 my wife character hooked on this show and and they're always they're always wondering like what could we do like do you teach any of the primitive survival stuff fire making and whatever yeah you do oh dude i want to we'll come up this summer for a little clothed and afraid time in the woods (laughs) absolutely all right cool man uh love to hear you thank you so much for coming on and uh i hope uh Somebody got something out of your uh, sincerely full of shit ass, but uh, uh, I hope so too. And uh, I'm sorry, Dopey, that we, nation that we didn't get too dopey on this one, but next time for sure. All right, right on, man. Thanks, Tim. Right. Stay strong. All right, yes, sir. All right, we'll talk Thanks to you more. soon. Later on. Thanks, man. Bye bye. Bye. All right, so that was not your classic dopey guest that was the great tim wall she was chris's grand sponsor and now we're going to settle back into some normal dopey if you guys are all suffocating on the spirituality we have on the phone the great emily can i say your last name yeah i can say your last name yeah emily sullivan the great writer of the amazing dopey vice piece how are you hi i'm good thanks for having me on again you don't have to thank me this isn't Jay Leno. You don't have to thank me. You don't have to thank me for having you on. <laughs> well, I'm happy to be on again, though. Emily was just, we were just talking. I'm happy to hear on, too. I, I, and I'm sure you'll be on again. Um, 
Probably. When I, when I run out of people, I'm sure I'll text you and say, <laughs> do you have, you have a dopey story? Because I'm in trouble. Yeah. Um, so fucking me and Emily were just talking about, uh, the old dopey nation Facebook. And Emily was talking about the last time she was on the show and that, um, and she felt the sting of the dopey nation. I mean, only, only one little prick. Everybody else was perfectly nice. Well, it there was, was there. There was the one comment that I got super butthurt about. Okay. You know the the the, the girl she she tweeted. She didn't go on the Facebook, but she tweeted. You know, ugh, motherhood versus addiction. Like, give me a break. And I just felt kind of like, what the hell? I mean, you always say that you got clean for your family. But so. that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't the Dopey Nation Facebook. That was the Twitter. That was a it woman. Was Twitter. No, but that woman, that was really sad. That was a woman who couldn't get clean for her children. Remember? She was like she, I know, and I felt terrible about that, but I felt like she was mad at me for saying that it that that's what ultimately made me, you know, come to my senses having babies. Well, I think like you know, something that I keep talking about more and more and more, and, and it just is, it seems more and more obvious, is that you don't know what's going to get somebody straight. Like, it's going to be like a kid for one person. It's going to be a girlfriend for another person. It's going to be the way shoes look or, you know, the, the way pizza <laughs> tastes. You can never fucking anticipate, right. like, what it's going to be, you know, um, which is annoying. Um, and very frustrating and I'm sure it's more it's like it's annoying to me because Chris died and Todd died and and half the dopey nation is is relapsing and you know like and, and the other half is using and angry that I'm preaching recovery and AA um, and then and then the other half is like yeah we go to AA right on you know uh, or whatever you know but like and I know you don't go to AA um, but no, but I did for two years and I don't I'm not anti-AA I actually learned a lot from AA and NA, and I I value the time that I had there. It's just not it's not my deal now, but you know, it is it is part of me getting better. I will say that. Yeah, I mean, everybody is on whatever their path is. Like the dude who was just on was was talking about how AA or NA is like the last stop. You know what I mean? Like, like when you need the last stop, it's there, Right. you know, and yeah. you, and you don't need the last stop. So, and, and it gave you some, you know, you know, probably, uh, it gave you a, a kick in the ass and it gave you like a look at yourself and it gave you some tools and, you know, you've been able to move on. I mean, Emily got a fucking, uh, a, a memoir deal in the pike. Emily's, Emily's well, an amazing inspiration to the dopey nation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm writing my proposal right now. I don't have the deal yet. He has to read the proposal first. But I will say, I think the proposal's coming along pretty well. It's amazing. And is, the, is, is, is it, would you say it's a drug memoir? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, it's funny because I wrote my first chapter sample, and it's all about my preschool self. And then, like, in the second chapter, I'm already, like, doing ecstasy and coke and shrimp. It's like, that's a quick jump, but it really, it was a quick jump, really. Was it true that your book is so hardcore that it makes My Fair Junkie look like Little Women? <laughs> no. That's, that's not crazy. true? Is it? No. Are you saying that your that your memoir is so hardcore that it makes Amy Dresner's memoir look like Little House on the Prairie? Is that true? Amy, I never said these things. No, he's no. making this up on the fly. Yeah, it's good stuff. Though. <laughs> um, 
Um, but Amy supposedly was very helpful in, in your. She was. Yeah, oh she's she's very helpful woman. Uh, she was trying to. I, I've been baiting Mackenzie Phillips on Twitter today. Um, I saw that. I was following that actually. You know, I just want Mackenzie Phillips on Twitter because you know I'm much older than you, and I'm much older than a lot of the Dopey Nation. But when I was a kid, she was on this show called One Day at a Time. And one day at a time had this amazing theme song. And in my dream, I learn how to play it on guitar, and Mackenzie Phillips sings it with me. You know, I could see that. Mackenzie, yeah. it's not going to happen. You know, in fact, uh, Mackenzie, Dr. Drew's wife, who has been incredibly helpful in Dopey, and, and she's brought in tons of guests and has been always like, uh, you know, a uh, sympathetic ear and a helpful uh, friend of the show. Uh, texted me. She's like, "You gotta leave Mackenzie Phillips alone. She doesn't want. To, she doesn't want to sing the song with you. Just leave her alone." And uh, and really? I. Oh my gosh! Why? Because I'm annoying, Emily. If, if you know me, and if you know me through, I don't annoy you, and I don't annoy no. the Dopey Nation. But like once I like make a decision, like I annoy people. Like I really persistent. Yes. You're, you you're tenacious. I am. I'm tenacious and I'm persistent. You know, and the the the, the newest one that I'm going to drive insane is Steve Jones, the guitar player from the Sex Pistols. So he has a oh, shit. Wow. he has a, a radio show in Los Angeles called Jonesy's Jukebox, and okay. and when he do you live in Los Angeles? Where do you uh, live? I live in the suburbs of Los Angeles, basically. Yeah. So it's I think it's ninety five point five. Uh, oh yeah! W- I listened to Sunday Morning with the Beatles. W- WCLS. What is it? WCLS. What is it? What's the station? Uh, um, I don't. I don't know. It's ninety-five point five. But but he he talks like this. He goes. He goes. Hello. This is Jonesy's jukebox. <laughs> Next we have free with all right now. He's like he's the best. He is. The, I'm reading his. <laughs> he has wrote this book. He wrote an amazing drug memoir, and I really recommend it. It's called Lone. Really? It's called Lonely Boy. And it's okay. fucking amazing. He's he's amazing, amazing character, amazing drug addict, amazing musician. Um, and uh, and and I, in fact, I'm going to send you some dopey stuff, and you can bring it by the radio station. Okay. What do you do say? It. Yeah, do it. Um, and and you guys out I there, I have a, like a stack of cards in my purse. Dopey business cards. What are you doing with them? Uh, well, I don't know. I haven't had anything to do with them yet, but just in case, they're there. If you ever go get your hair cut, you should leave them at the at the hair salon. Oh, okay. You should leave them in weird Why places. Well, what that's do you want them there. That's my new thing is I leave dopey cards in weird places. Like I left them at the bakery the other day at Magnolia Bakery. <laughs> because like You know, what? I can see that though because in my like junkiest days, I spent time like at home and at the bakery, really. Exactly. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I lived off of uh, chocolate cupcakes with peanut butter frosting for a year straight. Yeah, me too. I mean, I was that was my whole thing. I, yeah. I, I had my Entenmann's diet where I'd have a cake for lunch <laughs> and, a, and a cake for breakfast and then a, a not healthy dinner. Um, right. That was my thing. And uh, but That's a lot of food for a junkie. Oh, dude. I, I was the fattest Radio junkie. Today? No, I was the fattest <laughs> junkie in the world. I was the fattest I've ever been. When I was on the most heroin, because all I did was sit around and wow. eat, eat and get That's high. That's weird. I didn't starve. I was the opposite, you know. And Interesting. I, Chris said he was the only cokehead that gained weight while he did coke, um, but Artie Lang said that too. Um, and um, what I really want is I want 
to get because the Dopey Nation seems kind of interested in participating in this Dopey Podcast, Dopey Nation Street Team, and I've ordered thousands of stickers and and I have thousands of cards, and I'm ready. Not the fancy stickers, not those really fancy stickers, but I'm ready to give out the cheap stickers to people who are willing to vandalize America on behalf of Dopey. Okay. So just, you should do it. Yeah, I'm just letting letting them know. Now, Emily, you are on I the... Could, oh, I could put a Dopey sticker in Wahoos. What is that? You don't know what Wahoos is? No. Okay, Wahoos Fish Tacos. It's owned by uh, Travis Barker from Blink-182. Yeah. They're all, they're all over... SoCal. Um, there used to be one right across the street from this rehab I went to in Laguna, and I used to walk there and get taquitos, and they had, like, stickers on their walls. So if I put it there, they would just leave it there because they wouldn't even notice. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And and I and we can multiply that by, by hundreds of people in the Dopey Nation who want to participate, and then people could see the word Dopey and not know what it's about. Um, I should probably put it up with the website, but I don't think it looks good with the website. I don't think a sticker with a website is a good sticker. Do you have a feeling about this, or do you not care? Um, you don't I think have you could have both. I mean, no. I really like your stickers, though. You have some good stickers, to be honest. Dude, we have I two. Could... We have two new stickers coming. We have the the big bird uh, with uh, legs. Yes. Coming, smoking a cigarette, and we have I love it. and we have the praying mantis. Uh, oh, dopey. Yeah. So like. We have a big, pretty extensive sticker pack, which I'm very proud of. I like the stickers, too. I'm into the stickers. But I will send free... I have one on my laptop. Which one do you have? Um, I have the one that they use for the cover art for the article. Ah, with the train. Yes. That was, I think... But it's like the whole picture, at least, so you can see the cemetery and stuff. Yeah, that's a whole other story. We're not going to go down that yeah. vice road again. <laughs> yeah, we, were so, we were so mad about that. Yeah, but that, that story was, was huge, and uh, it was incredibly uh, moving to me that it got made and that you, uh, you did such a good job with it, so I, I really appreciate that. And that is why I am, I am forever in your debt. So, um, so, But I want you to hit us with a dopey story. Give us, give us a little dopey story. In time okay. for the holidays. Oh, but there was something else I wanted to ask you, but give us the dopey story first. Fuck it. Well, no. Are you sure? You want well, to I wanted, well, I wanted to ask about, because um, once in a while I'll peruse the Dopey Nation Facebook page, and I saw the uproar over the Andy Dick appearance on Dopey. Oh, yes. And I saw your comment about some roommate or something, Andy Dick. My neighbor, my neighbor when I lived in Hollywood. Uh, told me that he once lived with Andy Dick and that he was really creepy and tried to fuck everybody that he lived with constantly. Well, he said he was a sex addict. It seemed like it was all shtick, but it's obviously true. That's not the first time I've heard this story. No, this guy said he was like a teenager and Andy Dick like wouldn't get off of his dick, basically. <laughs> like, you know, and he was just this like teenage straight guy and he's like, dude, and it, finally he couldn't take it anymore and he moved out. Well, I would move out if there was a, a sex-crazed gay guy that wouldn't leave me alone. That's a good reason to move out. But, like, <laughs> everybody hated Andy Dick on Dopey. And, like, and I... I saw that. I didn't listen to it, though, yet. I'm, I've been stuck on the, the Mark Moran one. I've been having to finish it in the car, and I can't listen to it around the girls anymore, so... Oh, yeah, you can't listen to that around the girls. Definitely yeah. not. Um, the Andy Dick one, like, it was a painful interview. 
It was not an easy interview. Um, and I, when I was done with it, I was, I, I didn't think I was going to air it, but then a couple people like liked it. And then I kind of decided that I liked it too, but it was hard to do. Um, and I understand why other people hate it because while I did it, I hated it. But, um, you know, everyone seemed to think you did a good job though. Well, people are just nice. People are kind. I don't know how good a job I did. I just think that like Andy Dick is, um, first of all, he is a, a, a he's a comedic. I wouldn't. I don't know if he's a comedic genius, but he's a, a, a comic great, and um, and he deserves our compassion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he is a sick and suffering fucking alcoholic, and yeah. and like we did not catch him at his best. And he was still gracious enough to come on Dopey yeah. and, and get a little bit honest. And a lot of people, t- he, he was like, you know, he was trying to talk a lot about Chris's death and people thought it was him like attacking me. But I really think he was just looking for common ground, you know, and then right. he was drunk and retarded and, and he couldn't really make sense of it. And the Dopey Nation took umbrage with it. And I don't blame them, you know, but I, I think more than anything, I'm grateful to anybody who comes on the show, especially you know Andy Dick, who certainly doesn't have to. Although he, what he, I asked the funniest part is that I asked him to promote the show, and oh. he said he would. And then in the next sentence, he was asking me if I would pay him to promote the show, which, uh, which I thought was just. I just think stuff like that is just you can't make that shit up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I say oh. I I know that uh, I will re I will revisit Andy Dick even though the Dopey Nation hated it and hopefully um you know I was like preaching AA at Andy Dick and like half the Dopey Nation who's not an AA was just like dude why do you have to talk about AA all the time and the other half was like Andy Dick is too stupid to listen to you and we don't want him <laughs> on again but I think he'll get sober and I think once he gets sober he'll be an amazing guest on Dopey I think we broke the ice that's what I think. Well, I wish only the best for Andy Dick. Yeah, me too. Um, so let's so so you know the holidays are coming up, and I wanted this episode to be about relapsing and the holidays, and it really hasn't been that. But um, right. but you know we were talking, and you said that you were a a, a masterful relapser. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, when I was an AA, I was an AA for two years, and I. I was a repeat. I was a newcomer the entire time I was an AA. So that just shows you like how often I relapsed. I mean, I had hundreds of chips and like people who don't understand AA think like, Oh, you look at all these chips. That's a great thing. Well, it's not that great because after you get 30, you're supposed to get, you know, a 60 and a 90 and six months and everything else. But no, I had just like an endless supply of, of newcomer chips. Right. Yeah. I did, but the story I have for you that I wanted to tell tonight, the Christmas the Christmas spirit story, is not really a relapse story because it was, like, definitely in the depths of my addiction. Even better. Um, but it's, it's Christmassy because it happened on Christmas. And, um, okay, so um, to give you some backstory, my mom is, like, Martha Stewart, but prettier and funnier and cooler. And every year during Christmas time, the house is just like decked and it's so decorated, the inside and outside. And you walk in for the whole month of December, it smells like apple cider and home cooked meals. And it's just, there's music always playing and it's fabulous, you know? So I always grew up that way. 
And every year, Christmas is the most exciting time of year. So this one year, my first year as a junkie, I um, I ran away to Hollywood. And you were a, you were a heroin addict, and you were a meth addict, right? Yes, but at this point, I was just a heroin addict, and I was just first starting to dabble with meth. I hadn't really uh, developed my full blown meth addiction at this point, but so okay, I had ran away to Hollywood, and I was living like right off Hollywood Boulevard. Um, off of Cherokee, right off the side there. And I had a studio. And it was me and my ex-boyfriend and this guy, Dave, who lived in our kitchen. <laughs> he, he, like, lived in our dining room, kind of, and he had, like, a curtain pinned up. And, um, and I was super sad about being away from my family for the holidays, but they wouldn't talk to me, so I just kind of stayed away and I tried to make the best of it. I, um... I made, like, Christmas stockings for everyone out of old pajama pants. And my one of the guys that I that I sold heroin to, one of my neighbors, like, showed up one day with a Christmas tree. and was like, hey, I thought I thought you might like this. So I found it on the side of the road, and I thought of you. And I was like, oh, sweet. So I had a Christmas tree. We had these stockings. Like, we did our best of decorations. And um, a week before Christmas, my ex-boyfriend came and stayed with us and he stayed with us all week and he did a lot of meth and so we were all junkies but he came and brought a bunch of meth wait hold on who's living in the house okay so it's a studio off hollywood and it's me and my ex-boyfriend slash ex-husband and um father of your children no okay different My fiance is the father of my Right, okay, biological, whatever you want to say. He's a sperm donor. Okay. I don't even like to say that. Okay, okay, just, I'm sorry. Relax. You know what uh, I mean. I'm, I'm not diminishing your fiance. No, no. I'm just I, trying to I get mean, the story straight. I would straight. never describe him that way. Right. Like, you know, yes, that's how I got pregnant, but no. Do you ever whatever. see him around? No, no, he's from Sacramento. And he's gone? He's gone, okay. yes. He's, I think he... He's almost in prison if he's not already in prison. If he died, would you find out? Yes, because his mother and his sister and his stepdad all come and visit uh, my daughters. Right. And so they they're, they're not the sperm donors, blah, blah, blah. They're grandma and the uncle and the aunt, right? right? Okay. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, his mom always says that, like, I'm her daughter and then my fiance is her son-in-law. Like, they, you know, they don't talk to him either. He's, he's like, a total loser. It's, you know, they don't even talk to him. So, um... Well, he's another fucking sick and suffering drug addict, you know? Yeah. Come on. Uh, whatever. I hear All you. Right. Okay, I'm with you. Right, keep going. <laughs> okay. I'm sure he's, like, no. listening to Dopey. I'm sure he's, like, big on the Dopey Nation page and, like... Anyway. Right, right. No. He's probably in prison. Last I heard, he was going to prison. So, anyways. So, you're living um, in this house, in this studio apartment in Hollywood, with him yes. and who else? So, it's him and this guy he worked with named Dave. Right. And Dave was a bouncer at the Whiskey A Go Go. Okay. They were both bouncers at the Whiskey A Go Go. And I worked at the Rainbow. What'd you do there? Like, I was a server. Okay. And so, we're just like, you know, it's the Whiskey and then the Roxy and then the Rainbow. So, it's right on the strip there. So, um,. We'd work, and then we'd go home every night, and that's how we met Dave, and he ended up moving into our kitchen because he, like, came came to L.A. with, like, $10 from New York. 
he was this like Puerto Rican guy from the Bronx. He was really cool. I love Dave. But um, so we're all living there, and then my ex boyfriend Ryan comes to stay with us for the week, and um, he, he did a bunch of meth, so he brought a bunch of meth with him and gave us all a bunch of meth, and we ended up being up for like the whole five days before Christmas. And I remember even on Christmas Eve, like nobody was asleep. We were all basically looking out the window, like totally just cracked the fuck out, waiting for the sun to come up. And then when the sun came up, we were like, Oh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Let's open presents, you know? And, um, and did everybody get meth in a box for their present? <laughs> no. I think you're going to like your present this year. <laughs> it's a real white Christmas day. No. Um, we we gave each other like random little gifts, and I got this this white. It was almost like felt, but it wasn't really felt. Uh, trench coat, like pea coat kind of deal. And um, my ex at the time was super constipated because of all the heroin, so he spent like the entire day in the bathroom. Right. And I was so just like annoyed with him being in the bathroom for 10 hours because I wasn't sure if it was the meth and he was like freaking out or if he really was constipated or whatever. So I was getting annoyed. I ended up leaving and walking my ex to the bus stop because he was going back home. So I walk him to the bus stop, drop him off. And then on the way back, I, I'm passing this like giant bush off of Cherokee right off Hollywood Boulevard. And for some reason it pops in my head, you know, mind you, I've been on meth for like five days. That um, if people were um, going to get pulled over by the cops or they saw cops coming, they would definitely throw their drugs into this bush. And so I thought for sure if I went inside that bush, I would find all kinds of drugs. So in my brand new white Christmas pea coat, I crawl into this bush and spend like three hours in this bush searching for drugs that I'm sure that people ditched right. trying to like not get arrested. This is the most harebrained. I, I mean, I was a heroin addict for many years. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard of a plan this stupid before. But keep going. Was, I'm with you. I'm was, with you, Emily. Okay, this is the meth, not the heroin. Okay. This is like the meth that did this to me. Uh-huh. So I come out of the bush and I look like, you know, Pigpen from Charlie Brown at this right. point. yeah. And my brand new white coat is ruined and it's covered in dirt and all, you know, torn up. Yeah, yeah. So I go back to the place and um, Dave and my boyfriend were like, oh, where have you been? What's wrong with you? Look at you. You look crazy. And I try to explain, but, you know, we ended up getting in this, this big fight. And the fight escalated. It got super violent. And I end up running away. And it's uh, nighttime by this by this point, and there's like no one on Hollywood Boulevard. It's totally deserted, and I'm like crying because the fight was so gnarly and so violent, and I have mascara all down my face and my weird white coat. I look like Pigpen, and I just start running all over Hollywood, and I'm like so lost in this meth-induced psychosis at this point that I'm convinced that there's these like four dudes chasing me through Hollywood. So I'm just like nonstop running up and down Hollywood Boulevard. And you, you like, just to set the scene though, you had that crazy Amy Winehouse hair then, right? You were like, you were like, like you were like this sort of greaser chick. Yes. Like, yeah. Amy Winehouse hair, like black hair, red lips, tattoos. Yeah. And this white pea coat. 
filthy, uh, filthy, dirty, filthy. running. Yes. So less like it's like if Amy Winehouse was Pigpen, not really like Pigpen. If Amy, well, if, 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 if Amy Winehouse was Amy Winehouse, basically. if Pigpen was like a woman with big hair, tattoos, tank top, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You know, when I worked at the Rainbow, people used to stop me and be like, "You know, you look, you look so much like Amy Winehouse." Except, of course, you don't do heroin. And I'd be like, oh, no, "Of course not." Right. <laughs> you know. Oh my god. But okay. So, anyways, I'm running through Hollywood, and um, I'm like scaling two-story chain-link fences. I end up losing my house keys, losing my car keys. And I'm just running from these non-existent men chasing me through Hollywood. Um, there's like literally no one on the streets. And then I run into this super old white haired guy with like long white beard. And he's like, whoa, 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 stop, stop. Are you okay? And I have like mascara tears streaming down my face. And I'm like, no, there's these guys chasing me and I'm trying to get away and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, hey, hey, calm down. Just come to my house. I'll I'll give you some water. You can sleep on my couch. And I, like, stopped for a second. I was like, should I? I don't know. And then I was like, no. And he's like, no, I'll help you. I was like, or you'll murder me, you know? Yeah. And and he was like, okay. And then I ran away. So I ended up spending Christmas night behind a dumpster hiding and I remember thinking that all of the trash was like bags of drugs and that I could like collect it and sell it and then I like hit this gold mine because I found this dumpster filled with bags of drugs Right. and I like I just hid behind this dumpster all night like thinking I'd I'd found this gold mine until I started like kicking from not doing heroin for however many hours and so then I had to run home and like make up with everyone just so I could get a fix and not be sick well that is a, was, that is that is a, a a a very dopey christmas right very very much so you know yeah. I, I can imagine the santa character you know and he's like right how know, weird is that oh that, <laughs> i didn't that, even make that connection yeah, the santa character was like i really like back to black when are you going to record your next valerie <laughs> would you come over and sing to me and you, that was the smartest. I think the dumbest decision out of the story to me was getting in the bush, looking for the drugs, and, yeah. and the smartest decision was not going with the Santa character. But uh, yeah. but I like that story, and I think uh, and I think the Dopey Nation will too. Well, you know, and not long after that, because that was when I was really like, okay, like shit's getting wild. Not long after that, it was only a couple weeks later that I decided to check myself into rehab. And I literally ran away from Hollywood. And that was the end of that. And you were pregnant. No, no, no. No, I relapsed after that and then went on for another year and a half. And then I got pregnant. Right. Maybe maybe even two years. Yeah, no, but the, the first time that I checked myself into rehab was after that. Well, I think that is an amazing story. Um, and I thank you for, for contributing. And I thank you for being a part of the, uh, the team over down at Dopeyland. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. And Happy what, to be here. What's the worst thing? Like, because I, I, I don't really care about the good stuff. What's the worst thing <laughs> that's happened on Dopey in the past, you know, 10 episodes or so? Like, what was something you were like, damn, I wish they hadn't done that? Oh. The worst thing, Emily. The worst. Worst thing, I feel like I need to pull it up to, like, look at the past episodes and remind myself. 
No, you know, um, you know, and I'm, I don't need to to push if that hard. But I always like to hear the bad stuff. Okay, what's the best thing? What was your favorite thing? Oh, you know, well, I loved Amy, and then obviously like Mark Moran coming on. I just. But- but does he have to say his name is Mark Marin, Emily, not Marin, Mark Moran. Marin. You know who is okay. Moran is the the woman who played Joni on Happy Days. It was Erin Moran, but he is Mark oh. Marin. You liked Marin. him? I thought he was good. God, I love him. You heard Aurora thought like- Aurora thought I was not a good interviewer. She thought I was what? not true to myself, but I think no. she was wrong. I think Aurora's just kind of a hater. You know. No, I think you were great. I loved that interview. I loved it. Super loved it. Thank you, Emily. I appreciate And I, I didn't think that, you know, because you were talking about how uh, Howard Stern, like, it's all butthurt if somebody's threatening him. And I felt like you totally held your own against Mark. I thought it was great. My favorite part of that episode was when he said, he said, um, it was the, my favorite part of the episode. Nobody noticed, but he was, we were talking about Howard Stern, and I told him that I listened to him. When he was on Stern and he was like, oh, did you think it was good? And I was like, yeah, I thought it was great. And he goes, well, he never asked me back on. That was like my favorite. That was my favorite moment of that interview Um, because I felt like he was like neurotic and insecure in that moment, which obviously. He was showing his vulnerability. Yeah. Where he's like this big star. So, yeah. Which I loved. But um, why don't you uh, thank you for calling. And thank you for giving us some dopey. Why don't you wish the dopey nation a, a, a merry pre-Christmas and a happy yeah. Hanukkah? It's more of a Hanukkah time now when this episode is out because we're right okay. we're right at Hanukkah. You know anything about uh, Hanukkah? A little bit. It was a miraculous time where the, the candles were only supposed to burn for a few hours and they burned for eight days. And now, do you have any like horrifying Hanukkah stories? No, I mean, all of my stories were the same. Like, I didn't want to get sober, so I just kept using. You know what I mean? Like, I think I was in rehab a couple of Christmases, you know, and I always, like, you know, the saddest thing to me is because I'm a huge Christmas fan. Like, I love Christmas. I I love Christmas. I love the music. I love, I mean, in New York, Christmas is really special. Oh, yeah. I've been there, yes. It's like very like picturesque and the lights and the it's cold and all that shit. And um, I just, I know that when I always hated being high. Oh, I, I actually do have a Christmas uh, dopey story. I don't know if I ever told it. Uh, everybody thought I was clean and, um, or they didn't think I was on heroin. And I, and I had started using heroin again. And, and, uh, and obviously me and Linda were separated and um, I went to one of my friend's Christmas parties. And this is not much of a story, but all I know is that when I was using, I always carried the dope in my jeans pocket in that little pocket. You oh, know? yeah. The and, dope pocket. Yeah, in the dope pocket. <laughs> and, and I just remember I was, I was with all my friends, and we, we would go to the same, my friend Rob's house since I was five or six years old. I would go to the same place. Oh. And um, I just know that like all I wanted to do was go home and get high on the heroin. And and that's the the fucked up thing about the heroin was like I mean like I don't remember it as a bad thing. I remember it as when I left that house how happy I was to go home and get uh-huh. to do the heroin, you know what I mean, and not yeah. be a part of anything and 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 how you know it's so fucked up because all we talk about in recovery is gratitude and this and that. But I remember how grateful I was to have it. 
You know what right. I mean? Like I, I was yeah. like, I, it was like, it's fucked up. And I remember like a lot of those years, you know, I think I had three years or something, two or three years in, the, in an apartment on the Lower East Side. And, um, and in the winter, I was very much just locked away and it would snow and it would be cold. And I, I had enough money to be really, I had as much dope as I wanted. And I was just so happy that I had it. You know what I mean? Like I never really spun out until until it was just overwhelmingly bad and I had to go away. So it's right. not, you know, but... Um, well, because when it's good, it's good, you know? It wasn't good, though. I was just so happy to be checked out and not broke, yeah. you know? It feels like it it fixes everything that's wrong. It feels like it's there for a reason. It fills a void. It fills the hole in your soul. It did fill a void. And, um, and it was like, I don't know. I, I'm sick, though. Like, I enjoyed, like getting high and watching tv and eating and like and you think that's enough and um and maybe it is for a little while but it never lasts you know what i mean and it only gets to terrible 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 places which we both are very well aware of yeah yeah oh and i know i told this story but i'm gonna tell it again because i i just i i can't believe it like i i just gotten paid and it was Christmas time, and um, and I had all this money, and I spent I spent three hundred dollars on four bundles, and I put the four bundles in like an inside pocket of my jacket, and I was like, I'm gonna go out and buy new sneakers or buy boots or something, and I uh. went out to to buy sneakers or boots, and I also like was going Christmas shopping, like I bought candles and a hoodie, and <laughs> I, I was like just spending money, you know, yeah, and um, and I'm at the shoe store. And I had a bunch of money from, from waiting tables. During Christmas, you make a lot of money. And I'm at the shoe store, and I lost the four fucking bundles. I lost all of it. That's insane. And, and I start retracing my steps to find it. And I'm like, and then I felt that twinge. And I was just like, fuck it. And I just called the dealer straight away, and I bought it again. That that's oh my like God, that would make me go insane. Well, I still think like the bundles are there in this fucking shoe store yeah. that just closed down. You know what I mean? I'm like, there's fucking, you know, it's just one of those stupid things. But um, yeah. you know, I am super grateful uh, to be clean and sober, and you know, it's just one of those things, right? Yeah. Yep. You know, um, thank you very much for calling in and uh thank you for being a part of everything and we always need your opinions, okay? Okay. And also yeah. we could use another article. So maybe you should start feeling around to Time magazine or something. We we need Time. we we need more press. <laughs> okay, I'll work on that. Thank you. I mean, Emily. I've gotta get people to like even open my email, so that's not true. Everybody wants to read your emails. Well. You have a big book coming out. It's gonna make Amy Winehouse's uh my fair junkie look like uh, what's her, what? Amy I, what's her face? Amy Dresner. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I can't do the no, joke again. I, I couldn't think of another. I couldn't think of a blander book than Little Women. That was that. That joke that will was stand. Good, no, that was good. I yeah. liked it. That right. was funny. I actually ordered Amy's book today Dude. because you know I was I almost felt guilty that I hadn't already. Uh, Amy Dresner's book. It's good. It's really good. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. I, you know, she sent me her book proposals to help me write mine because I just I hit her up and I was like, I don't know how to do this. What do I do? And she like, she was so helpful. She's an incredibly generous, generous spirit, yeah. and she wants to help. 
anybody she can. And she's, uh, you know, if she was a dude, we call her a mensch. A Jew would call her a mensch. I don't know what you would call a woman in that situation. But she's a okay. good, she's a good woman, and she's very generous. And and two other recovery memoirs that I definitely recommend besides My Fair Junkie are Steve Jones, Lonely Boy, and if the Dopey Nation is out there, please pester Steve Jones to come on Dopey. He'll be the a most amazing guest. Um, and then um, this book by Kat Marnell. Have you heard of that? I'm reading that right now. Yeah, I'm reading it right now. Her voice, I think, is just amazing. Yeah, she, I mean, usually I read books to help me uh, get ready for bed at night, and I can stay up all night reading her. She, you know. Her voice is so compelling, and it's so young. You know, she has this very young voice, and it's it's called uh, How to Assassinate My Life, right? No, How to Murder Your Life. How to Murder Your Life. And, And she was like... Out of nowhere, she hit she hit me up on Twitter, and she said really? she said I want to come on Dopey, and she gave me her number, and um, and we were gearing up to have her come on, and then at the last second, she um, she said she had an opportunity to go to Cuba, and she wasn't going to be able to come on Dopey, and she oh, went no. and she went to Cuba, and then she said she was going to come on Dopey. And then at the last second, she said she was having insomnia and she couldn't come on Dopey. So I just fucking called her. You know what I mean? I just called her because yeah. I had her number. And I was feeling kind of like full of myself. And, uh, and she felt bad about Chris, you know, and, uh, and she wanted to participate in Dopey. And, and me being the idiot that I am, I was just like, so are you clean? That was the first thing I said to her. Oh. And she said that... Uh, Basically, she's clean, that she only takes Vivance during the day, which I thought was a great answer to Are You Clean? Um, right. <laughs> and, um, and that was the last I ever heard of Kat Marnell. And I write, I, I write uh-huh. Kat Marnell like once every two weeks, and I haven't heard back. So, Kat Marnell, I know you're not listening, but Dopey Nation, bug Kat Marnell and Steve Jones. Fuck it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, she's great. And thank you, Emily. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And, uh... Dopey Nation. Have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah. Nice. And uh, we'll talk soon, Emily. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. So we're going to wind down another exciting episode of the Dopey Podcast. I want to thank Tim Walsh, who was Chris's grand sponsor, not his grandfather. I'm an idiot. I want to thank Emily, uh, Emily Sullivan, who's an amazing writer and, uh, not using now heroin addict and uh i'm sure her memoir will be fucking fire like uh amy dresner's and cat marnell's and steve jones and my future amazing uh junkie memoir which i plan on starting sometime next year hopefully um love uh still love the show love your guys participation fucking much love to andy dick and the sick and suffering out there all the relapsing members of the Dopey Nation, uh, you know who you are. Uh, my thoughts and hope is with you, and my prayers are with you. Um, you know, like, the people who bash AA in the Dopey Nation, you know, stay strong. Uh, if you're struggling and you want some help, go to a fucking meeting. Talk to somebody who's clean. Uh, I always say that, but it's true. Everybody who's clean wants to hear from anybody who's suffering because it gives us something to do. So, uh, you know, shoot me a line, shoot anybody in the Dopey Nation with some time a line. And um, that's it, man. Uh, I think I'm going to read this fucked up, super crazy email before we're done. 
because uh, it is dopey after all, and I didn't read it yet. So, here we go. This dopey occurrence was during a raggedly, a raggedly time of mine. I, raggedly time, I like that. I was deep in my heroin addiction, but on top of shooting dope several times a day and chewing a few blues, I guess that's speed. I don't know if people still chew blues. Or blues like one, or blues some sort of Valium. I don't know. I found myself eating street ecstasy pills more and more often. The X started out as a random, yeah, sure, let me just grab a couple, just because a dealer was selling them in a bar that I frequently went in to shoot up in their bathroom. The one bartender I thought was cute, and I wasn't drawn, so she didn't mind me using the bathroom. Every now and then, she'd hassle me for being in there too long, but for the most part, she was cool. Come to think of it, I actually started buying the X pills as a way to patronize the bar, if that makes sense. Like the dealer had something going with the bar. So me buying X was like me buying a drink, basically. I was a paying customer and now more welcome to use the restroom to go bang up. Anyway, back to my story. It starts out a normal day where I was headed uh, to buy X after I picked up a bundle. But on my way, I stopped and bought new stripper boots. I went to the bar and bought my pills, and before going into the bathroom, I asked if I could put my bag behind the bar. Well, that someone struck up a conversation with one of the customers, a younger girl, probably my age, attractive and flirting with me. She was asking where I danced and was all interested in me. Somehow, it ends up that her and I walked to buy Zannies. I don't want to walk around the hood with a huge shoebox carrying stripper boots, so I left them at the bar. I remember the bartender trying to catch my eyes, and she looked at me like, yo, be careful. She seemed concerned as if I was asking for trouble being so trusting to hang out with this strange girl. But in my mind, I'm the trouble because I'm the junkie. This girl is just trying to take pills and smoke a blunt. Anyhow, we got our pills. I chewed mine up, and we were walking around. From here, it gets foggy. Remember, I had already eaten X and slammed dope. I have flashes of memory of her, and I walking around and dudes walking up to us that I must have blacked out. I remember waking up thinking, damn, what's in my bed? And then I opened my eyes, still fogged out from being high, so I didn't know if I was awake or dreaming. I felt shit poking my back, and that woke me up. I sat up, looking around, and I'm by myself, naked, sitting in broken glass inside the bedroom of an abandoned, of an abando. (laughs) My bag was gone, pants gone, shoes gone, but there was a t-shirt lying next to me, which was weird because it didn't look like it had been there. It didn't look like it was there amongst the rubble. It was clean. So, of course, I put on this t-shirt, and luckily it was long enough to where I could stand up and sort of be covered. I probably would have been crying from fear if I wasn't so confused, like what the fuck happened. I tiptoed to the window to try and see what neighborhood I was in so I could come up with a plan. I couldn't just walk outside half naked without any direction or plan. I looked outside and found that in the moment I was the luckiest junkie ever. Directly across the street was a friend's house, a Puerto Rican woman I knew well that had always been really nice to me. So, um... I got to know her because I bought my dope right next to her house. So I see that I'm at least somewhere safe at that point. I had to carefully find my way out of this shithole house. Glad everywhere, glad everywhere splintered wood. 
<clears throat> total nightmare. Total nightmare. It's a miracle I didn't need stitches on the bottom of my feet. In fact, I barely had a scratch. I scrambled across the street and had to knock on her door from the neighbor's stoop because her porch was caged in and locked. Her son answered and let me in and then woke her up. I showered and she found clothes of mine I had left there. So I got dressed and went to the hospital to get a rape kit. I didn't feel that I had been raped but needed to be sure and got checked because who knows what the fuck happened. Anyway, I was fine, thankfully. Afterwards, I remembered hearing about kids that were robbing junkies and taking all of their clothes so they wouldn't or couldn't come after them. I guess the logic is that if you're buck naked in the hood, your first concern will not be running after those that robbed you. Philly. Philly is a rough goddamn city. I wrote this really fast and would have preferred to put more care into doing this story justice, but I didn't want to wait. Forgive any sloppy grammar or poor wording. I'm I'm at work and should be getting shit done. I really hope you like the story. I feel it's much better when I tell it in my voice. Uh, by the way, it's cool you work at blah, blah, blah. I know that's not supposed to be public knowledge, but you've blurted it out quite a few times. Next time I visit New York, I'll come get food. P.S. You are fucking hilarious. I find myself laughing alone like a hyena in a car. And people have seen me and started laughing themselves because I look so crazy. I love the infectiousness of laughter. If you want to share this story, please give me a heads up. I'd probably want to correct the grammar, and so it all sounds good. And my name is Amber. Thank you for Amber. Uh, Sorry I didn't correct the grammar. Uh, All of a sudden, the air in the attic is super, like, dusty, and I'm coughing and shit. But uh, I appreciate the email. Love to get emails. Love to get voicemails. Uh, Send them in. Before we go, a lot of you guys have been pining away for music and have been asking for another version of uh, Forever in Debt. And one day, I will give you a better version of Forever in Debt. But for now, in honor of Mackenzie Phillips not doing Dopey, I'm going to play for you the One Day at a Time theme song. And I know, I mean, I didn't realize this at the time, I've always fucking loved the One Day at a Time theme song. And I've been uh, around addiction forever, you know, for a long time. And I never put it together that One Day at a Time and the cliche One Day at a Time were linked. But uh, there's nothing I can do about it now. I'm just going to play the One Day at a Time theme song. This is it, this is it. This is life, the one you get. So go and have a ball. This is it, this is it. Straight ahead and rest assured. Can't be sure at all. So while you're here, enjoy the view. Keep on doing what you do. Hold on tight, we'll muddle through One day at a time, one day at a time So up on your feet, up on your feet Somewhere there's music playing Don't you worry none We'll just take it like it comes One day at a time, one day at a time One day at a time, na 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 One day at a time One day at a time, na 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 One day at a time so there you have it. That was the one day at a time theme song uh, for Mackenzie Phillips, who probably will never do Dopey, nor hear my rousing rendition of the one day at a time theme song. Stay strong, everybody. Fucking send in a brief yet fiery voicemail. That's funny. That would be awesome. Send in some art. Send in a tune. Just uh, be involved. Here, another fucking Twitter request for Forever in Debt. It's amazing. 
Uh, I will oblige you guys eventually. It, it's on a bunch of episodes. It's on the first Lost Tape. It's on the Christmas episode at the end. Um, I'm not going to add another song now. It's crazy. Anyway, um, be in touch. Don't be strangers. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Reddit with Cormac and the gang. I love the Reddit crew. Reddit crew is hardcore. Uh, I love the Twitter crew, the Green Berets of, uh, of Dopey. Uh, love the Instagram people and the Facebook people and the closed group people and uh, whatever, man. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, stay strong and uh, toodles for Chris. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadows getting smaller and smaller And it's high noon where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I want to be good so bad so bad, so bad I want to be good So bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers Make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 these suckers make me mad, that's all I ever had, and I want to call my dad, that's all I ever had, that's all I ever had, and that's all I ever had.